Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Just before we jump into the episode this week, I wanted to share a little bit about the Thrive community that I run. It's a place where many like-minded women go to connect and share their experience with getting and staying successfully sober. There are different sections like the main Thrive community feed where people post about things that are up and coming or about challenges they're facing and they get incredible support from other members of the group. It really is a special, special place to be right now. There are also sections to share your milestones because every win, even the really small ones, are a big thing to celebrate and we acknowledge that. There are five events, there are the weekly Zoom recordings, so you can go back and see all the weekly Zoom meetings and all the topics that have been covered in those meetings at your own leisure. There's a share sober tips section and then there are group chats for the first 30 days, the first 100 days, the first year and over a year. There's a knowledge hub as well. And in the knowledge hub, you'll find a place for books and book recommendations. There's a section of how to survive the first 30 days. So if you come in completely brand new to getting sober, you can hit the ground running and find tools and information to get a structure set up for yourself from the outset. There's also my Thrive Sober program, there's a toolkit, there's understanding the brain science and a space to read and learn about all the topics under emotional sobriety, most of which have been written by myself. So come into Thrive. If you're thinking about it or you're lacking community, I would say just jump in and go for it and maybe we'll see you in there soon. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I'm going to be talking to Hayley from Worthing in West Sussex. Uh, She's been sober five months in February. It's the 13th of February. We're saying, weren't we, because this is my daughter's birthday. (laughs) Um, So Hayley, it's so lovely to have you on the show. Um, Yeah, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself. Thanks for having me. Um, so I was saying to you earlier that I've been rehearsing this all morning because <laughs> I'm very judgmental on myself. So, but do you know what? The main thing is if it helps anyone get sober, then it doesn't matter how it's, how it's said, whether I jump around, whatever. It's just, you know, sharing the gifts of sobriety. So yeah. So I'm Hayley. I'm 35 years old. I love yoga. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I've, yeah, like, like Terry said, I've been sober nearly five months, which has been challenging, but yeah, I'm at a good place right now. And, um, so, so I live with my partner and I've got a daughter that's nearly 18. Um, should I start from the beginning? Yeah. Why not? Let's go for it. Yeah. So I was thinking this morning, I was trying to think about 
sort of like you know growing up with alcohol what it was like because I can't remember a lot of my childhood sort of like before 11 I can remember some but for some reason there seems to be like a little I don't know I don't know whether it's like ADHD I don't know whether I just forget things but I remember sort of like obviously growing up I remember there being my mum my stepdad and I was an only child until I was 12 so there was always like drink um you know, my parents used to have parties and, but they were never mad, you know, they were never like my sort of parties where there'd be like an argument at the end or where they'd carry on for three days. It was just, you know, barbecues, parties, and they just, you know, they'd have a few drinks. Me and my friends would like be there and, you know, and they have like those massive boxes of wine and you'd like sit underneath them and be like, <laughs> that's the sort of thing we used to do. But yeah, yeah so growing up, my, my mum, So my mum had me when she was 26 Hmm. and so she met my dad, I think, and he was like, they they met when she was working in a pub and um, basically they just had like a whirlwind of dating for a few months, um, drinking, obviously meeting up um, and then they sort of went their separate ways and then my mum realised that she was pregnant with me. So yeah, they obviously went in contact and... uh, so she had me and then I think it, she wasn't going to tell him. She was like, she, yeah, she, she wasn't sure whether to tell him or not. But she did when I think I was six months old and he came over. She wrote him a letter and he came over from, I think he was staying in London at the time, but he was a massive drinker as well. Right. And um, yeah, so he came over and I think like they had a little conversation. He held me and that was sort of it. He went and that was like the only sort of thing I ever knew about my dad, um, which I think I found obviously hard growing up because I had my mum and my stepdad. And I was always told at a young age that he that he wasn't my dad because obviously rather than lying to me, which is, is obviously better, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that I think I always felt like I wasn't enough because of that. Yeah. Um, Cause like my dad, I think I always knew that because my dad had been to see me at my nan's and my nan hadn't moved. I was like, well, he knows where I am to find me mm. sort of thing. Yeah. So the fact that he didn't, um, for years, I was just really, really, really angry. You know, just think, you know, when you just think, you know, people used to say, oh, do you want to find him? And, and all of this. And I used to be like, well, I'm never going to find him because he's not bothered to find me. Yeah. Sort of thing. So yeah. I held a lot of anger, um, I think I always felt a bit different because I don't know, like I've got like an older sister and my stepdad was, is her dad. And then when my little sister came along, they both shared the same stepdad. And I just felt not that I was treated, I wasn't treated differently, but you know, when you feel like the odd one out. Mm. Um, so that was his, so you had an older sister, which th- that was a stepsister. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So we, we, we don't share, we don't share a mum or a dad. We were just, we're stepsisters like via marriage. So yeah. 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 Um, And then me and my little sister share, share our mum, but not, not dads. Yeah. So they had a baby. Yeah. No, but I get it because I've got, you know, I've, I've got a blended family. So I sort of, yeah, my husband didn't bring any children into our relationship but that's like what it would be like isn't it if he had a daughter then that would be the yeah. of my girls but then we had a baby which apparently is is termed an hours baby uh, which yeah. is the baby between us which is a half sister so so basically your younger 
sibling is your half, isn't it? We all treat each other as family. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They've never made me feel anything different. It, I think it was just me having a chip on my shoulder, yeah. um, just not having the dad and mm. and sort of like feeling, just feeling like rejected, I guess. Rejected. And yeah. Yeah. And I, so I sort of like, then, then my little sister came along when I was about 12 um, so my mum had like quite a, quite a big gap, obviously, between having me and having my sister. Mm. And while she was pregnant, she's always suffered with mental health anyway, but she just literally went to bed for like six months and like she was having panic attacks and she was just, she was just really unwell. Like it's, it's been, she's been diagnosed now with BPD, border, per- border personality disorder, borderline, oh, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, so for years, so she she was like, that was when it started, but she was in bed all the time. Um, and I think from then it was just like, you know, it's like an important time. Like I was a teenager. I was obviously thinking, you know, you've got hormones going everywhere. You're kind of like, I wasn't doing too well at school. I wasn't like, and I found it hard to concentrate. And I was also bullied um, because I had really thick curly hair, which right. now everyone's like, oh, I love your hair. Everyone loves but- it, yeah. I know, but back then they were like, yeah, people were really mean. And I don't know, like I didn't have the best trainers or you'd have like Tesco Valley Crisp. You know, like, just getting mm-hmm. bullied for those silly, silly reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So so I think from there, from sort of like the age 12, 12 onwards, 13, when I had all that going on, I just didn't want to be at home. Yeah. So that's when I kind of, you know, I started like hanging around with the wrong people the first thing was smoking, you know, like behind the bike sheds and then it was drinking. And then, but once I started drinking, like I've always been a binge drinker, even from that young age, like we I was thinking about it earlier, me and my friends, I don't even know how we used to afford it, but we'd get like a little half bottle of vodka. We'd stand on the streets, get someone to go in the shop and buy it and get like 10 Royals. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I used to smoke Royals. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They were like they were so cheap. They were like one pound eighty, I think, something like that. Yeah, but yeah. So we'd put, and then we'd get three bottles of Diet Coke that we'd probably steal, and then we'd pour out half the bottle, pour the vodka into the the vodka and Diet Cokes, and you know, like it it was so strong as well. Mm. But like it was like paint stripper. But we'd all be drinking it. But I was always the one that would be like my friends probably have some left, and I'd be finishing that as well. Yeah, you know, and we'd drink till we were sick, and we would drink. You know, like we put ourselves in some really, really horrible situations because we just used to like get into random guys' cars. Because I think at that age as well, you can't afford it. So mm. we, we, we were either getting money like from our parents or whatever it was, we'd like club together or we'd steal or we'd literally just go with anyone that had alcohol. I'd get in the car. Yeah, sure. Okay. You've got booze. Yeah. I'll come with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really, like, I definitely have done those things too at that yeah. age. And I, I'd be, I would be mortified. I think if my daughters ended up, you know, doing the same sort of stuff, cause it is so dangerous. But back then I you just, don't care. It, it, but it was also, I don't know, it just felt quite normal. I mean, maybe that's just looking mm. at the world through teenagers eyes. I don't know. Maybe, but it just, I think the world is different as well. Like there wasn't social media. There wasn't obviously, you could only connect with people that were in your village, really. Well, yeah, we, we had MSN. There was a, MSN was like the start of that when I was younger. But I, I think, don't think I had a mobile phone until I was about 
14 or 15. So yeah, so we did, we used to knock on people, knock on each other's doors or like my best mate lived three doors away, but or we'd like, you just know to go rock up at someone's school and meet them at the back gate. It was just like that, wasn't it? But yeah. you know, but we didn't care. And, and, and I think, I don't know if it still happens now because obviously I'm an adult, but we had this thing called Teeble Gate and it was just, it was a car park basically where all the boy racers used to go. Yeah. Um, so they'd all be in their cars and obviously, you know, we were 13. They knew we were 13. It's not like we lied. Like we'd be in our school uniforms sometimes. Mm. And they'd just be like, get in. Like they'd like give us alcohol, go buy us this, go buy us that. And, you oh. know, all the all the dangerous situations that you put yourself in. Yeah. Um, but it meant I was hanging around with a lot of older people then as well. Because obviously the the places that we were hanging about and then like, you know, I had older boyfriends at 13. I was dating someone that was like 17 and... It just kind of went from there, mm. but I was an absolute nightmare, and I guess I had all this anger brewing. Yeah. Um, I do do remember my mum taking me to anger management once, and I I think I had to go there myself, or like she booked it, and I had to go there, and I kind of did like one session, and I was like, I just walked out, you know, you know when you have to be ready for these sorts of things, but yeah. at a young age, obviously, my mum knew there was an issue with my anger and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, yeah, I just li- literally, I was out every weekend. I was always with my friends. My friends were the most important thing to me. Um, and I just used to get in trouble. I remember one one week I got arrested three times in one week. I was just so bad. <laughs> um, but it was all from alcohol. Like none of it was ever done sober. Yeah. Um, which is obviously now, now I'm older like not that I go for for those sorts of jobs but if I do want to go for those jobs that stopped me because my DBS now will stop me from working with people that are vulnerable or anything because I've got so many things on there which is which is annoying but you don't think of it at the time you're just like I'm having fun blah 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 and then you know it's embarrassing when you get to be an older and you're like oh you know I can't be a I can't be a carer or I can't work in a school or do you know what I mean it's not yeah does that last is that like a lifelong thing then I think there was there was a new thing actually they said that I think it was like if if once it's been five years it's spent but still if they do an enhanced it will still show up Mm. so then it's their choice it's up to their discretion I think whether they take you on or not gosh it seems quite harsh doesn't it in some ways that you make some mistakes as a as a young adult Mm. and because when you're in your thirties and you, you, I just think a lot of people do change, <laughs> you know, and change for the better. And then it's, that's, that's a shame because, you know, I mean, obviously I know you, you're, you're part of Thrive. So we, we've been in contact for a long time, but I know that you would be amazing at that kind of work, like caring. Yeah. Work and yeah. So that's, that is, yeah, that's, that's, that's sad. I even went for a care job, um, I don't know, about five years ago. And I kind of said to them that I've got a criminal record. And I said, I said, um, but obviously I hadn't seen it. So, and I, and I said, I said what they were like a few drunken disorderly. There was like some fighting. So it's like common assault. And I explained it all. And in the interview, they were like, don't worry, it'll be fine. So I started training for them. <laughs> And it took about three months for my DBS to come back. And when it came back, even though I'd done all that training, they were like, we can't have you. Oh, no. And that's how I got to see my DBS. And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Shocking. But it was shocking. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that, that your early life, not having that relationship with your dad, 
and just even my quite basic understanding of how the brain works and how it develops and how limited it is, I think, when you're such a young person, it's so easy to see how you would have really taken that quite personally, that you would have felt that abandonment and that rejection and how that would have been internalized and would have come out in later years as anger and just feeling really lost. Like that's, that's a big, that's a trauma for you to have had to have dealt with. So you've falling into drinking. You can just see why, and I'm sure you can see that yourself now, but you can just see how that jigsaw fits together. And it's like when you were talking about, you um you know when you got to like teenage years and you just wanted to get out of the house I, like, I remember that so much because I used to fight with my mum all the time she was a really big drinker I think she had undiagnosed mental health challenges mm. I don't know you don't, don't know what but I don't think she was happy a lot of the time and that would make sense because she drank every night whiskey and stuff like that um yeah. and we didn't really know what alcoholics and things really were back then. It just what there wasn't the dialogue that there is now. But I um, just hated the environment that I lived in. I really hated my home. And I used to feel so sad. I used to envy my friends so much that just looked like they had all their shit together. Their parents yeah. were really nice. They would go on holidays like the Can- to the Canary Islands, you know, for two weeks in August and their mum and dads were really supportive and they just had happy homes. And I just felt like my home was always miserable and oppressive and everything just hinged on what kind of, what was going on with my mum, what kind of mood my mum might be in. Um, yeah. I know it was different for you because you're, you know, you, you I, I'm not saying that's the same as, as the life with your mum, but just I really connect with that bit of your story, which is like you just didn't like being at home, just wanted to get out. Like as soon as I could move out, to be honest, I was gone. I was yeah. gone. And now I I don't feel like the the place that I was born and raised, that's not my home. It's weird. I just don't have any connection with that place. If anything, I have I have, you know, a lot of unhappy memories and it's just, I'm, yeah, it's just weird, isn't it? It's just funny how all that stuff kind of links together. I think for both of us, we've both been over drinkers and got into trouble. Um, I mean, I didn't get, I didn't get um, in trouble with the police, but I, but I have had a few scrapes with them. I just never got yeah. to that point where I'd had a caution or something like that. Like, and I've definitely made a lot of mistakes in my early life, a lot. So you just don't realize that they're going to catch up with you though. And it's like, you know, it's, it's great that I think, you know, now I've, I have turned my life around and things are a lot better, but there's, there is always that little reminder that like, I can't do certain things. And I sometimes think, God, if I wanted to go to America, which we, we probably are in a couple of years, I think they check your DBS and Mm. things. And, you know, and you're just like, would that come up? Would, would that stop you? So yeah, maybe they don't do the deeper, like more forensic dive. Maybe it's like you said, if it's within the last five years type thing. I don't know. I've yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just, just like I can understand why that process is is I can understand on one level why that process is in place, but equally, um people change. People change, change a lot. Change. Yeah, people yeah. change. And should that mean that someone like you who's extremely caring and giving should not be allowed the opportunity now to work in that? It just feels like there's disconnect there. But 
Yeah, yeah, it's a good reminder anyway of like not yeah. to <laughs> don't bring kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't totally. bring kids because yeah. you know you you always think you're above everything. You always think you know mm. these things aren't going to get to you and everything, and they do. They always catch up with you. Yeah, but I'm just trying to think where I was. So I was so saying I about think, my mom. Yeah, you were kind of in like teens here, or maybe late teens. So what? Yeah, what kind of happened when you hit your twenties and stuff? Um, well, so so in, in my teens, I was more so yeah. So I was obviously I went out. I didn't want to be at home. I was hanging around with older people, and then from alcohol, because um, we were hanging around with a lot of older people. Then came ease. Then came speed. Then came coke. Then came raving, and I just absolutely loved it. And I was just like. You know, like when people are scared to try it, I wasn't. I was just like, yeah, it yeah, is, okay. I, I was the oh, same. Give it, give it to me now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I only had a half the first time, but then like, I didn't kick in for, I don't know, an hour. So then I had another one to be greedy, and then I was absolutely <laughs> just gone and like, you know. But again, yeah. I was putting myself in dangerous situations. And, you know, I just used to, but I just used to be out all the time. I was just always with people. But I wasn't getting myself in that much trouble then. It was just, you know, and you didn't really get the hangovers or the come downs. It was, you know, like you'd go out and it wasn't that bad. But also, um, because my mum was ill a lot of the time, I was looking after my little sister. So I was kind of being like, not mum, but I did a lot for my mum because, you know, I did like school runs. I did. I was speaking to my friend the other day and she was like, she goes, God, I just remember bumping into you and you always had a push chair with you, but you didn't have a child. And I was like, oh yeah, but I'd I'd forgotten about it. But yeah, I I kind of knew that I had, I had a lot of responsibility, I think. um, And that made me grow up really quickly. Mm. Um, And then by 17, I met my daughter's dad and we sort of, yeah, he was, we, we met in like the partying scene and, he was a big drinker. I was a big drinker. We kind of, I remember a mate saying, oh, like he really fancies you. And I was kind of like not interested, but then we got drunk and you know, the rest is history. (laughs) We got together. Um, and then our daughter came along quite a few, about four months later, which wasn't very long. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was a bit of a shock because I think, yeah, obviously I was really young. Yeah. Um, I was like, my mum had sort of said to me, she was, she kept, I don't know, because she'd obviously like knew my moods and stuff. She kept saying, oh, do you think you're pregnant? And, you know, I was like, no, no, no. And then, I don't know. It's just, she, she obviously just had a feeling. So I went, I was working at Wimpy at the time and I went on my lunch break to the information shop where you went and got free pregnancy tests. So went in there, took a test and it obviously said positive, took about another 10. And I was like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, so my whole life changed then. But that, you know, I gave up drinking straight away. I gave up smoking straight away. I sort of like, you know, had a really nice pregnancy. She was born. It was amazing. I was like, I think I was 18, two months after she was born. But but then, you know, I had like my 18th birthday. I went out and got absolutely trolleyed. Like, not, you know, it didn't stop me from drinking. It stopped me from drinking probably as much as I was. And it stopped me from taking all the drugs and going out because obviously I was now responsible but I had like so her my daughter's nan they were really helpful and they used to have her quite a lot and they used to be like oh we take her for the whole weekend so it was just like the green light to Mm. me and her dad would just get wrecked um so yeah so because we had a lot of help I guess we were just every couple of weekends we were getting absolutely smashed and then 
there was just arguments and he was a bit like he had lots of issues and he was quite violent but me being me because because I think I had that inner anger I would always fight back and I wouldn't sort of be told what to do so it was just this like yeah, it was a horrible, horrible sort of explosion relationship, which mm. probably never should have happened. But yeah, so that that sort of ended, I don't know, after about four years. Um, we, I ended up in a, a women's refuge as well, about three years into it because mm. of violence. And um, mm-hmm. but I went, I went there for a couple of months and they were all really, really horrible there. Like all the women there were just really nasty. And, and you know, when you just, I miss home, missed home. So mm. I just went back. I went back to him and um, which was obviously a really silly idea. But you know, when it's, it's the norm. I don't think it is a silly idea. You know, obviously on paper, yeah, it's not the best idea. But I think in those situations. And like, I had help there as well, you know. Yeah, you can understand why it happens, especially in abusive relationships. What What's the statistic? Is it like it takes somebody five years or something to leave a, a house of domestic violence? It's really difficult. I had a friend who was in a relationship with somebody and, and you know, they had problems with issues of domestic violence. And to the outside world, it's like, why would you not just leave? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I remember thinking that myself until I really understood what the world, her world looked like. And until I really explored how vulnerable and you don't have the self-confidence and self-esteem to make no, choices. Because a lot of the time in those relationships, that erodes really quickly. Like you're being told that you're not good enough or, you know, like maybe in some cases the friends are getting taken away. You know, and it's like just you can understand why people get into that situation he used to say um because I was talking about in counseling and he used to say like I'd arrange like things with my friends and he'd be like yeah like I'll look after my daughter because you know obviously he's a dad and um and then at the last minute he would be like they'd knock on the door and he'd just like he wouldn't like make any space for them on the sofa or he'd be like oh, I'm going out so then I couldn't go out just simply you know like, little things mm-hmm. like that but yeah just was like a control thing or he'd be yeah. like or he'd be like oh um you know, like I'd arrange something and he'd be like, oh, but I've arranged this and like we're going here and it would, he would like throw money as in that way and I'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's nice. But, you know, it, again, it was always back to like a control thing. It's a control thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but he'd, he, I think he had led like a bit of a rubbish life and his dad was sort of like a drinker and, you know, when I look back at it now, I realised that he had a lot of issues and obviously, you know, we, we both had a lot of issues and then we were both together and it was just this absolute car crash yeah um you know but so after yeah so after him um I guess I would have been about 20 22 when I left him and I just I think once I left him I was like freedom yeah, <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like I can go out with my girls again da, 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 da. you know like I, he used to have um our daughter or the nan did and so that gave me more of a green light to go out and it was just like you know yeah it was just like it was like a rebellion sort of thing Mm. um so I was just going out all the time and but also I think I was like quite needy I think because of obviously I had like quite low self-worth so I was always thinking that I needed someone as well so I was like getting with all different guys and but always Mm. the same sort of guys and I and I like prided myself on liking bad boys which when I look back now I'm like who the fuck likes a bad boy like it's in the name they're bad (laughs) <laughs> they're yeah. not nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not nice. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I used to be like, I went for a certain type that, you know, that I thought was, like, on my level. And I, and I think 
for me as well, it's really sad when I look back, but I think I went to people that I knew I could drink and be like, be how I was with. Whereas anyone that I thought had anything going for them, I thought I wasn't good enough because, or it would show up my drinking or it would show up my problems, my insecurities. So I always went to the same people. Yeah. Um, but, but also as well, I think that there is comfort in chaos, you know, yeah. you had quite a, yeah. quite a chaotic life really. Mm. early 20s and I think we get we get a lot of comfort being in that pattern even if it's not right for us it's hard to it's hard to walk away from you know so it's what you know isn't it I guess and also you're really you're still really young like 22 you're still really young at that point aren't you so it's like going out all the time I think I just did everything young (laughs) yeah but that's that is kind of what young people want they want to do that a lot of the time they want to go out be with their mates chase boys chase girl like that is just that is kind of what it's about but obviously with you just like me there was this quite destructive going a bit too far probably too often like you said maybe being the one that's up a bit too late or yeah and I was the same as you I was serial relationships and most of those relationships formed on piss nights out yeah like all right we're together now and then it'd be like that for two years as well like because I had no self-worth and the, the, like the, I couldn't go out and meet a guy sober either and yeah. no. it wasn't like this is really really personal to me but I am gonna say it because you know it's part of my story but I hadn't had sex sober until I met my partner now yeah ever ever yeah, yeah. because I built it up in such a thing as well and I had such you know like when you have been treated a bit like crap or you don't think you're good yeah. enough I just my self-worth was so low 100%. Um, and the drink just it just it just enabled me to be someone else which yeah. actually made it worse because I wasn't that person and I wasn't that outgoing oh look at me let's go to bed that's not actually me I'm actually quite shy but you know as soon as I had a few drinks I could make yeah. up this new person and be like this everyone thought I was like a wild party girl that was like quite sexual <laughs> I wasn't I was like yeah. inside I was like <laughs> but yeah. I didn't want to be alone either so yeah yeah I understand that totally you know but looking back now I think god like I'm so I'm so glad that obviously you know I'm not doing that now but I do feel sorry for that person that was that was going through that because yeah. you know I know a lot of people do yeah yeah totally and so how did it change when you got kind of into a bit more into your 20s and obviously towards 30s what what did that landscape look like so I guess in my 20s I was still meeting up with certain people um but cocaine seemed to come on the scene a lot more it was just everywhere yeah um and my thing was I used to be like, well, as, as soon as, because I drank a lot and I drank really quick, I never knew I was pissed until I was in blackout. And and then people used to say like, God, you you like, you don't even look drunk. But then obviously like once I was, that was you know, 10 drinks in or whatever, and because I knocked them back so fast. Um, so it, and like, if I did feel a bit drunk, I'd be like, I want cocaine because that levels you out. I was exactly the same. I um, didn't really get into um that much until I moved down to Bournemouth and it is really rife down here and yeah just the I mean it's working in an industry where it was really like sales and stuff like that and everybody was doing it and people were just delivering it 
on mopeds into pubs and bars or houses, wherever yeah. they were, it was so easy to get hold of. And everybody was doing it. Like, like just everybody was doing it. So I, I fell straight into that as well. And then that became really trapping, I found, because every time you would have drinks, a bit like smoking, you would get to yeah, yeah, and you'd be like, right, we need to get coke. And it's like nightmare because that then continue thrusts you into next day drinking and like cat like just well, like, three days. yeah it's nightmare nightmare and the thing is like, I, I, i've because of childcare and stuff sometimes i would have like a couple of jobs but to obviously keep myself going but then also like i'd be i'd be thinking oh so for extra hours i'll work in a pub in the evenings yeah. and like as soon as i worked in the pub like there was a guy that came along and he just like there was like a newspaper there and he's just passed me like oh look under there there's like a gram you know and you're just like it was just so easily done but then yeah. obviously they give you a couple of lines knowing full well that obviously you'd want more so you'd go mm-hmm. to them and you'd buy it and then I'd probably be giving them free drinks and yeah you know it just that that, that part of my life just turned really bad like yeah. and, it, and again it wasn't I wasn't an all the time person it mm-hmm. was just the binging but you know it, it might it might have been like I don't know, once every two weeks, but it'd be three days. Yeah. Like, and I don't know how my body coped with not no. eating for three days, not ha- not not having a wash for three days, mm. not brushing your teeth for three days, like yeah. just yeah. all of that. And like, you know, when I, when I used to clear up the house and there'd be like um, three, four bottles of, you know, empty bottles of vodka, like 10 packets of 20 cigarettes and just, it's just disgusting. Chewing gum, like, because, you know, like all those little things. And it was just like, I don't know how my body actually coped with going through that. I don't know how I'm here today because it's, it's mad. It's frightening, isn't it? It, it, it I is, think yeah. when it comes to things like that, but especially cope, I just think it gets really dark really quickly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, yeah, there's just the damage when you look back and you think about it, the damage that you cause on those sorts of nights for though all the weeks of the year that I don't know the years you know they just yeah it's it's frightening it's really frightening I think um well the thing is you not only have the come down after the three days because obviously what goes up must come down it's like mm. the anxiety and then like obviously in between I was living a normal life with responsibilities and arrangements and everything so as soon as those three-day benders would come and I've arranged stuff I was letting people down I'm lying I'm telling people that I can't come because I'm either on on it or I'm recovering from it I couldn't leave the house people were ringing me I couldn't answer I was sweating you know all that horrible yes um, yeah you're rolling around in your bed and it was just like but it'd take me three days to sort of get over it and um you know, like uh, calling sick into work and, you know, I never actually got fired, but I left so many jobs because I knew that I'd like, I'd done my sickness quota and I knew that I had to leave before I got fired. Yeah. And it was just like, for, I guess like three or four years, it was just constantly not knowing, you know, that like uneasy, have I got a job? How, you know, how's this coming in? It was just, I always coped in the end and I always got a job really quickly, but it was like, I was never stable. My my life was just up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that just obviously got worse and worse and worse. And then, um, so then I met my, no, I started going to, I, I think I think I just kind of had enough and I started going to CGL, which is uh, Change, Grow, Live. It's like an alcohol help thing. And um, so you go there and then, they they basically educate you on alcohol and you have to keep a drink diary and you know I managed to probably get like 
maybe a few weeks over then and I thought okay this is cool and yeah. then somebody was there um from a CA meeting for so for anyone that doesn't know that's cocaine anonymous and she was like oh come along to a meeting so um I did and I was like oh my god <laughs> this is really really strange because they've got like the big book and you walk in and you're like hi Haley addict and everyone says their little shares and stuff and it was just mad um but it's really, really helpful for people that obviously, you know, I think for someone that's really, that's on it every day and stuff, like it's great because there's a meeting once a day, they're free. And yeah. I think it's really helpful. But yeah, so I started going to that and um, that's where I kind of, yeah, I got I, I started getting like a few weeks sober and stuff. And in that time, I was still working at the pub and that's where I met my now partner. Mm. and um <laughs> so how old were you at this point sorry so when you started doing all this how have I missed oh, probably, you sorry about 30 right okay yeah 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 so I sort of like yeah so I was like dipping in and out of CA I'm still working in the pub which is obviously like not helping because <laughs> you go to CA try not to drink blah 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 yeah. um but yeah so I met my partner who I'm with now and um so at first it wasn't like, I think for her, it was love at first sight. For me, I was like, I'm straight. <laughs> so I'd never been with a woman before. And yeah, I think we hit it off and we had this really nice friendship. But at first she was always trying to, I thought she was always trying to push it. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. But luckily she kept going and um, she grew on me. And I realized that she was a really nice person with a genuine heart. Um but we used to drink together as well and we used to use together. So, but she, she had had some sober stints in the past. She'd, she'd done a year for charity. She'd done like a couple of months here and there and, you know, been to a few things. And um, she sort of like kept, kept mentioning about CA. So sort of like when I'd stop going, she would sort of say like, oh, you know, let's go together. And um, so we did a few meetings and then sort of like lockdown happened Meeting stopped, obviously, like going in person. Then it was online. And um, I found myself going to a few. And then within a, within a couple of weeks, I was like, you know, with that little niggling thing in my head, I was like, no one would know if I got drunk because nobody can come around and I don't have to see anyone. And, and that niggling feeling got back in and all my hard work, I just started having people around when you're not even meant to have people around. Mm. I then started drinking and taking Coke again. And it, it just, it just, you know, I fell back into it quite yeah. hard again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in that it's sort of like lockdown, yeah, lockdown was happening and my partner used to sort of like, just like randomly ring and say, oh, do you want to go out for a walk? Because um, she knew like I'd been on a bender and because I was quite open. And, um, you know, I'd be like, I feel like shit. I'm depressed. Da, 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 da. She'd come and like take me out for a walk and it was all really nice. And um, And then literally like, yeah, I think one time we were having a few drinks in her garden and uh, I realised that I actually really liked her and we kind of got together and that was all really nice. And uh, for the first three months of our relationship, we just drank because I think we were getting to know each other and yeah. it's what we knew. And, you know, you know, when you're just kind of like, you're nervous, but you're, yeah, we just, we just threw a lot of alcohol into the mix, um, mm. which obviously couldn't last for longer than what it did because you know we were both going to work on no sleep um we were you know even even at that that time it was quite early it's meant to be the honeymoon period it was but we were still like not remembering stuff or having little niggly arguments because we were both drunk and 
Mm. Yeah, I think we then decided quite early in to to get sober because we thought, you know what, we won't last if we carry on. Yeah. Yeah. So how did we start? We started doing smart recovery online together. So we did a bit of that, um, which is like a lot of CBD type things. And they like, you know, ask you to look at things. And um, I think it's like, they, that's that's probably where I learned halt. Like if you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're probably, you know, you need to do one of those things or you might drink. Um, what else did we do? Yeah, so we so we kind of got sober for a little while, um, but we always ended up going back to it. It was like, I think for me and also my partner, it was just, it seems to be like an emotional trigger. Um, all the while things were going well, I was okay. But as soon as anything bad happened or there was like a little argument or something, one of us would go off and just start drinking. And then we'd probably like not speak for a few hours, but both be drinking somewhere separately and then meet back up. <laughs> And sort of like cash it out drunk and then like things would carry on as normal yeah um but yeah so and then yeah so that carried on probably for like the first couple of years like getting a few months drinking getting a few months drinking mm. but I think each time we were learning more and more um you know and you keep you know obviously every time like you go back it was never good it was always an argument and it was always well, it was either an argument after the drinking or while we were drinking or it was because of we'd argued that we'd then drink so it was never it was never really a good time yeah um and in that time as well um my partner said to me about trying to find my dad Mm. so I did a DNA test where you like swab your mouth I sent it off um uploaded the details onto this thing found this guy on Facebook that um proved find my family and he's he does stuff for charity and he managed to track down my dad within about two weeks. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, which was mad. So in that time, yeah. I think my drinking ramped up a bit there as well. Because I was yeah. like, oh, you know, like, I don't know what to do. And it's quite a lot. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's like massive for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, so me and my dad, so yeah, found him, wrote him a letter. He rang me within like literally, I think, a minute of getting the letter. So that was like the next day. Um and he was like really happy and he was like, oh, you know, I've been wanting to find you for years. And I think I just put him on a massive pedestal, I think, because for years I'd obviously felt so shit and all this stuff and felt so angry and felt so rejected. that when I finally found him, it was like he was my everything. Mm. And I just remember him saying like, like we'd arranged to go over there, me and my partner, I think about a week later. Um, me and my dad are both quite the same. We're like really impulsive. And he texted me later on that day. He was like, oh, do you know what? Sod that. I'll pay for your ticket. Will you come tomorrow? And me being me. Yeah, sure. So I've jumped on a train by myself. And he lives in Birmingham, which is four hours away. So I've jumped on the train, not doing any prep for this, not doing any like, you know, emotional prep to go and meet this person after 33 years. Um, and like, so on the, on, on the journey, on the way, I had about four cans of gin and tonic um, to steady my nerves. I met him literally straight away. We had a hug. We've got in the car. He's driven me to a pub. We've had about 10 double vodkas in that time. Then he's like drink, drink, drink driving to the next pub. And then we've had about another 10 double vodkas there. Then he's like taking me to meet all his friends in the pub. We're going to go out for a meal. 
it ended up being just me and him that went for this meal after about 30 bloody drinks. And it just ended in tears. Like I was arguing with him. I was outside this place and I'm like screaming, I'm crying on the floor and I'm like bringing my mum and he's trying to talk to her. And he's like, I don't know what's wrong with her. And she's like, well, obviously she's emotional. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that was like another, another thing where I just used drink to get through it. And because he's a massive drinker as well, for the next sort of like for the next three or four meetups, they were they were car crashes because all he does is drink. He sits in Weatherspoons, all he does is drink. Like his life is drink. He, he's an alcoholic. Um so yeah, I've just I think I tried to fit into that. Yeah. Um because I wanted so badly to be part of his life and wanted him to like me, and I was almost people pleasing. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, that that all got too much um, in the end, and I think I just I just had to decide for myself like what do I need? Like he's only a t- a tiny part of my life, you know. I can't keep messing it up for one person that I might see every sort of like three or four months. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So then I started listening to your podcast because mm. <laughs> uh, me and my partner listen to a podcast every night without fail. To yeah, love it. <laughs> literally fall asleep to it i love it so important isn't it it's just like that it daily fix it's so it's so important it is so yeah so i found your yeah i found your thing you're sassy sober we're listening and then i kept hearing this like and to join this group and obviously i was like woo that sounds really cool fomo i want to be part of it <laughs> so so yeah i joined your group and you know it's just been amazing. So you've got your app, obviously. You've got absolutely everything in there. You know all the all the quitlet, all the things that you need for your first thirty days, all just all the tools that you could possibly need. And then there's a for you know there's the forum with all the lovely ladies, and you know everyone's just there for each other. And I think with that support um, and like and like attending the zooms and things and realizing that there's a lot of other people out there it's not just me and I don't have to do it by myself um that's made the difference yeah yeah you know and I still have had blips and stuff like I think I don't know within a couple of months of joining I think mm. I can't remember someone I think it was a funeral or something something yeah, happened but... I remember that so when did you yeah. join remind me it was it was last year was I think it, it was last February maybe gosh really is it coming up to a year that is crazy I think so, yeah blows my mind how fast time flies honestly um because I remember I remember you bursting on the scene you know so much energy in the zoom <laughs> lovely just so just breath of fresh air lovely but you're right you had a couple of blips didn't you and it was I, I think in yeah. fact did you not leave no so hang on didn't you book a podcast that was one thing didn't you didn't you have yeah, this podcast yeah, and I couldn't even get earlier to on <laughs> and then obviously you, you drank and so we had to cancel and then yes. Um, didn't you leave the group? You left the yeah. group and then you came back and you and you messaged me and said, Can I come back? And I was like, Yeah, of course you can come back. Like hundred percent you can come back. But actually since then you've really I think you've just really shifted gear. Um and I don't want to take your story away from you, but yeah, yeah. I, I think other things happened, didn't there, to get you onto this path of what you're what you're in today. So yeah, so what happened? So you 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 kind of you stopped started. You did a couple mm. of things, didn't you? You obviously shared in the group quite a bit about your dad and things that were going on. And yeah, that always helps, I think, getting some of that just off your chest and getting it out there and people being kind. 
And oh god, the, the amount of love that goes on in those zooms when you share something and like, you know, they're always a good zoom, but you suddenly get one where someone cries and then people just like just jump in and start talking. They're like, well, I've had that. Or oh, there's little messages on the screen. And, yeah. you know, like you get on and you just think like, wow, there's so much love in the Zooms and that's why I love them. And I know yeah. some people don't get on with them, but, you know, if I can get to them, I'm going because it just reminds me. It just reminds, it keeps me like, you know, you either, you either go on and you see someone that's struggling and that reminds you of why. Yeah. Or you see someone that's like a bit ahead of you and they're yeah. like, that's someone like Noreen that's like, yeah, oh, the way she talks yeah. and like, she's just, she says such profound things and I just love it. And then, and yeah. then that, that makes me think, well, I want to be, you know, it gives you inspiration that way. And like, either way yeah. you get inspired. Yeah. 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 No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant for that. Um, but what happened, talk, talk about um, just before you got to this five months, what was going on for you and what, what made the difference? So last year, I was, I, it was probably the first six months, probably the worst six months of my whole entire life. Um, I lost both my grandparents within 10 days of each other. I was in Mauritius when my nan died and I, yeah, I caught a plane back. So I just said I couldn't be there and I had to be at home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then my friend's sister died. Then my daughter left. And it was just, you know, like it's just too much. And I think that a lot of my drinking last year was just emotional, wanting to forget not wanting to be in my head, you know, it's just that like, you know, but um, yeah, I just, I, th- I guess from maybe like June, I still had a couple of blips and the last blip was in September. Um, me and my partner went to Turkey. We'd, I think we, I think we had about six weeks or maybe two months behind us. And we were like, really positive and we'd spoken about things and you know it was all going really well we were having such a beautiful time out there and we were doing all these walks and it was great and then we went out to this it was like a drag show bar they didn't sell any non-alcoholic drinks like even the bingo was in a shop like it was one of those places that we just should have avoided but we we thought we were strong enough and we thought we could do it and as soon as we went it, I think it was our engagement my partner's birthday and an anniversary or something you know when you get that those vibes and it was just yeah Mm. it was just a car crash anyway but we drank and then I won't go into the ins and outs of it but by the end of the night I was throwing stuff around the hotel room and I was in this angry violent episode and you know like that's not who I am as a person I'm but once I'm drunk and I'm in blackout yeah. I kind of remember a bit of it and Jay, yeah, sorry, my partner has <laughs> filled me up, filled me in, mm. but yeah, it's, it, it took us weeks to get over it. Well, even months, but like weeks to even just sort of like be normal with each other, but months to repair the damage and get some trust back because yeah, I'm just, I'm not a nice person when I drink and, mm. and, and I think that really sealed the deal. Yeah. Um, I am not, I'm not myself. I am horrible. And I, I don't want to be like that. I don't ever want to hurt anyone. I don't ever want, you know, anyone to be scared of me. I don't want to ruin relationships. And that, I, I had to, that finally sealed the deal. And that finally showed me, I am that person when I drink. There is, there's never going to be a good time. Mm. It might be good for the first two drinks, but it's always going to go to shit. And I think that, bad. yeah. 
that was like my bottom, my real rock bottom. And I was like, you know, I was thinking to move out. I was, I tried, I booked a plane home from Turkey and I went on a dud site and I lost the money because it wasn't even a proper ticket. Oh, so luckily darling. I didn't try and go to the airport, but you know, we had to like try and try and have the rest of our holiday and try and enjoy it while we were there. Like we sort of made up, you know, after about a day, but it was just, yeah, it's, it's those situations you don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that just really, really, really sealed the deal. So what I did was I messaged you while I was over there because I wasn't with Thrive at that point and because um, I had it in my head that I could do it all by myself and I'm amazing and that was my ego going, you don't need anyone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I that. you. I yeah, like, I remember please, that. Please, can I come back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you said yes. And I think I literally got on the Zoom. I think we had a really crappy flight home and I still met, I still was like, I'm getting on that Zoom. Yeah. I'm getting on that Zoom, whether I've had two hours sleep or not. Yeah. And I've just, I think I've missed maybe two Zooms, but I've been on every single Zoom. I post quite a lot. I, I'm i always doing something to do with sobriety. Like I've either got a book on the go. It's, it's either to, to do with self-help or, or you know, or a sober memoir. I've, I've always got a podcast in the evening. Mm-hmm. I go to sober events. Like I've, yeah. you know, you know when people say like, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I haven't got time. And it's like, but if you don't make time for the sober stuff, you won't have the amazing life that everyone says about because you do have to make time for it. And you do need to remind yourself because you get complacent mm. and then you let your ego start talking to you and you start thinking, you know, oh, it'd be all right or it wasn't that bad. Da, 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 da. You need a constant reminder of what, what it was like. Yeah. Also as well, I think for you, did you not take some counselling or you got some therapy yeah. or cbt you know so you've had dbt dialect dialectical behavioral therapy yeah wow. which i'm still doing that's a mouthful isn't it i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the count yeah i'd say the counseling's obviously helped as well um yeah, yeah it, you know it's helped me look at relationships but also yoga as well because i'm uh i'm, I'm on my yoga journey yeah, and lovely now I've now I've started studying yoga and what it is actually about. Like it's not just the physical practice. Like the first, the first two limbs are the yamas and the niyamas, and the first two yamas are ahimsa and satya, which is non-harm and truthfulness. Right. So I don't know. It's really silly, but always in my head now. I'm like, because I know that if I react to something rather mm. than responding, that's going to take me down the route to drinking. Because my reaction and my going from naught to a hundred, that is literally, you know, that's the end game. Whereas if I can stop and then I think, okay, was that harmful? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's since I've been studying it, that's always in my head. Like, say if my partner's annoying me in my head, I'm like, a himpser. That's <laughs> don't amazing, be amazing, though. Don't be harmful. Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of practice, but... Yeah, I was going to um, say, that, that is such a good tool, though. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. drinking is a way it's of... It, it is a way of self-soothing. You know, you talked about that consistently through your story, which is that you, you were an emotional drinker. You know, you drank to get rid of difficult feelings. And I think a lot of us do that. We don't want to feel the shittiness of our bad day. We don't want to feel the uncomfortable, you know, truths or decisions in the relationship that maybe isn't working or the issues that we had from our childhood, you know, whatever it is, whatever that yeah. is, alcohol is really good at shutting down the noise and 
Um, but you found a tool in yoga, you know, because you were saying words there that I had no idea what they meant. But it sounds really interesting. You know, it sounds I love really, it. really interesting. But it's obviously it's provoked that passion for you. Like it's you found that fire inside oh. for it. And not only that, but that's actually now a way for you to press the pause button when you feel angry and frustrated and think about how you want to react which to be honest even if you just do that some of the time like that is amazing progress well I think before I never gave myself a chance to stop and you just don't remember it whereas but then when you start doing these little habits like I get up at five every day and I'm straight on my yoga mat it's only half an hour but like that's my routine yeah. I come back from work at two and then I'll do a little bit of study and da, 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 da. but it's getting that routine into my head and now I know that and also within yoga they do the shavasana at the end which is the breathing I know that so, bit yes hey. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice but but even you know like before I used to think you know, people used to say, oh, just breathe. And I used to be like, how silly is that? Yeah, <laughs> you think yeah. a little bit of breathing is going to help my anger? It has. Like, my partner yeah. says now, she's not shocked, but she, like, she keeps saying, like, God, you've changed so much and you've really grown. And she's like, I'm just a different person. And it's only been within, like, the last four or five months of really realising that drink is the devil and I, it will never, ever be good for me. No matter yeah. if I have one, two, ten, but I don't want one anyway. I never have done, yeah. you know, and just sticking with this yoga and I need routine as well. I need routine. I need, I need peace. I need breathing, mm. you know, and I just, that's, that's what I need. And I need my, my sober community and that's all I need, yeah. but you have to make time for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, darling, you've done so well. What an amazing story and so many twists and turns along the way. And your story is inspirational because it it shows other people that you can have that chaotic relationship with drinking and you can even try sobriety and go back to drinking, try sobriety, you know, and a lot of people probably even listen to this might, I mean, it might even be thinking like, why can't I just make it stick or, you know, why am I flip-flopping? And so it just gives hope that actually if you just keep trying and you just keep trying to develop that sober muscle in a way. Well, I think also there's, there's, what's that saying when they say you have to create a life that you don't want to run away from? Yes. Yeah. Now exactly. I am doing that now and I'm like, yeah. nothing's going to stop me. Whereas I think, you know, before I was doing all these things, but you know, you can, you can add a bit of sobriety in and you can add a few podcasts and that's fine. But if you've also, you're living a life that you don't like and there's, you know, I know you can't change everything in life, but you can, you know, whatever you can change for the better. You know, well, if you, like, I don't want to mess my life up anymore. Whereas before when I was drinking, you know, it wasn't that great. So I didn't care. (laughs) Whereas now there's so much at stake that if I messed up now, I'd be like, oh my God, like, you know, I've ruined all this stuff and I'm ruining, you know, I'm going to ruin all my peace and everything like that. And I just, yeah, that would be the worst thing ever. Yeah, I think these small changes, which is what I love about how practical the last bit of your story is, small changes, getting up at five, having half an hour of yoga, um, you know, or deep diving a little bit more into that yoga side, which you find very calming, doing the podcast every day, learning how to press pause when you feel angry. These are all actually effectively in isolation. They're all small changes, but they lead to big changes 
results because if you do that small change every day that becomes part of your pattern in life that becomes your habit you know and that atomic habit yeah (laughs) and it's so it's so important and also as well like off the back of that I've found this on even just on my own personal journey with things like running and the things that I enjoy doing but I have struggled to be consistent with um you know over time for me I'm I've realized that motivation wanes and that actually you just have to take the actions. It's like for you, you just have to set your alarm for five and just get up and go on your mat. For me, I have to put two runs into my diary because I sit on my desk at my diary most Mm -hmm. of the week. I have to block that time out and work around it. It's discipline anyway. Yeah. And motivation's not always going to come, but if you have discipline, the motivation will come. It's taking action. Taking action is the thing that, that, that changes your life. It, relying on motivation is good when it's January and everyone's feeling fat and yeah. fatigued. <laughs> motivation is probably really high in that first two weeks. But after that, and when the sun comes out and when, you know, the traitors is on and you've got good telly to watch or whatever, yeah. and you just feel like you can't be bothered. That's when... People stop, I think, a lot of the time. But actually, if you can just get, if you can lead with the action piece over, I'm just going to go if I feel motivated. I'm hopefully going to run on Saturday. No, for me, it's just in my diary. That's it. In my head, I do part run Saturday. That's my thing. That's what I do. I do it even if I can't be bothered, which a lot of the time I can't. (laughs) But the thing is, I don't always want to do what I do because people always go, you love the gym and you're gym mad. And it's like, but I don't always want to do it. Yeah, but after I've done it, I feel amazing. Sunday, yeah. I went to a spin class. I did not want to do it. It hurts yeah. your bum. But at the end, I was like, woo, like it was, yeah. you know, yeah. amazing. Last night, I went to a yoga class as well. Um, and I didn't want to do it because it was half six and I'm not an evening person anymore. Yeah. And, but I got there and she did yoga to drum and bass. And I come out and I was like, we were doing all oh this. Oh my like, God, amazing. Dancing. And it was so cool. And I come out and I was like, full of it. I come home and my partner was like, God, were you drinking that cacao stuff again? Because you're mad. I was like, Whoa. Oh, I love that. I love that. Routine. So and also, you know, cutting people out of your life that are not good for you because yes. anyone that I used to drink with is not in my life now, really, apart from my family. But yeah. I have boundaries with them. I don't meet them at pubs anymore. I meet them for coffees. I've got a boundary with my mum where I'm like, please don't drink around me. Yeah. You, you just have to, you have to be like, and that's part of my satire, like the truth thing. And I'm like, if I'm going to be happy, like I need to put boundaries in. And I used to be so scared of those boundaries, whereas now I've got loads. Sounds like you've been on such a profound journey, so much growth in, yeah. I know obviously it, it will be an accumulation of all the years that you have tried, but certainly in this last five months, once that thing that happened in Turkey kind of shifted you into the right gear didn't it that's what got you into yeah. gear actually and made you realize I'm not getting anything from this drinking lark you know it isn't no. actually bringing me anything like I'm not going to be able to moderate I, I was exactly the same I just thought you know what all the times that you think that you can keep a check on your drinking Terry you can do that maybe four or five times in a row just about yeah. but then the sixth time the wheels are falling off and you're going to but feel I still, you want more even if I managed to, to have a few drinks or whatever I'd still be thinking oh god I'd love to have another like it was just constant yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You and you get off. your hangover straight away then so if you have yeah. two drinks and then you're sat somewhere you want to go to bed because you're hungover yeah yeah, yeah. Fun. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. It's like people say, oh, well, can't you just have one or... No. What's the point? Like, one makes you feel woozy and fuzzy and pretty horrible. The only reason you go for the second drink, I think, is because you're already coming down from the first. (laughs) What would you say, what what have been the big gains for you, do you think, in sobriety? Gains, okay. Confidence. Um, I never, ever would have come on here and spoke. I was literally a bag of nerves before I came on, and now I'm feeling, like, really confident. Oh, good. (laughs) You know, this... Speaking in front of people, uh, yeah, so confidence. I never used to be able to go out and meet people without a drink. Now I'll go anywhere. I'll go across the country to go and meet women from Thrive that I've never met before in my whole entire life. So, yeah, confidence. I've built real, real friendships rather than just two people getting pissed and going like, yeah, let's just laugh or let's just, I don't know, slag people off or whatever. You know, when you ask someone how they are, it's like you really – want to know how they are but like you know deep <laughs> I like deep conversations yeah yeah like you can connect with people um mm. which some people might find a bit too much but then if they do they're not the right person um okay. yeah like travel I, I you know I've got so much more money I can travel everywhere I'm going off to India in October to do a yoga course oh my god that's amazing going for a month so I've booked a month of work oh my I'm god so that's happy. incredible Wow. But again, going by myself, confidence. I wouldn't have had that before. Um, all my relationships are better, you know, so for me and my partner. Um, gains. My health. I used to suffer really bad with IBS. You know, sometimes I do now, but it's a lot, lot better than, you know, when I was drinking. Yeah. My skin's healthier. My hair's healthier. My mental health is healthy. Like, just everything. There's so many gains. Yeah. I'm not calling into sick at work anymore. I'm now, you know, I was just a kitchen assistant. Now I'm like their star baker. There's just so, there's so many gains um, that I've had over the last year that it's just amazing. And it's all down for not drinking. You know, you just think, try not to cry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's so many gains to come from not drinking. There really is. And if I'd have known this at the beginning, you know, you think it's just, I used to think I was losing something and losing friends and losing this, but I've got such an amazing life. I don't even have time to do the things that I want. I can't fit everyone in because I've got so many nice friends and so many nice things going on and I need a break. (laughs) Oh, that's so lovely. How do you think it's changed the relationship that you have with yourself? Yeah, massive. I used to, I think the self-worth obviously came I don't know where it started, maybe from bullying or, you know, like having low self-worth. But I think now I've built a life that I can be proud of and I'm not, um, without sounding too crude, sleeping with people that I don't want to or, you know, like in the past. Um, now I'm sticking to all my plans. I'm not letting people down. That's built a good relationship with myself. Like I can trust myself now, whereas before... I didn't know what was going on like the next the next hour, let alone I couldn't plan anything for the week or, mm. you know, know where I was or who I was going to be with or what I was doing. So, yeah, yeah I think I've, I've got so much more trust in myself and so much more confidence. Yeah. Oh, that's so priceless, isn't it? That's so priceless, that yeah. thing, I think, to have that that feeling that comes from the inside out that you trust yourself and that you rate yourself. Yeah, I never used to think I was a good person. I used to be like, you're such a shit person. And I was a shit person because of drinking and arguing and getting into gossip or, you know, letting people down or 
just mm. I wasn't a nice person, but deep down I was. It was just yeah. it needed to take away, you know, take away all the bad stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's your top three tips on staying sober? Top three tips. Um, change oh, there's the saying. Change places, people, and things, I think is the saying. So yeah, if you're hanging around with a load of people that are drinking all the time and you're still going to hang around with those people all the time and you're sober, it's going to be really, really hard. So, you know, avoid those places. Um, change it up. Say if you're normally meeting people for a drink in the evening, go for a coffee, do daytime things, um, meet for a walk, stuff like that. Um, I know people find it really hard, but be honest with people. Tell them you're not drinking, you know. Otherwise, if you don't, um, you know, it just it just opens the gates for someone to go, here, have a drink or, mm. you know, pass you a drink. And then if you're not strong because you're only like a week in, it's going to be really hard. Whereas if people know, then it's, you know, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and also join Thrive. <laughs> because <laughs> if you're female um, or if you're male, there's Menace to Sobriety. You know, listen to his podcast. Um, I would say listen to podcasts. Join the community. There's literally so many Instagram accounts now, which just yeah. proves that so many people are trying to stop drinking. Whereas, yeah. you know, you didn't really see that before. There is so many. So yeah. I've got a sober Insta and then I've got a normal Insta, but on my sober Insta, it's all sober accounts. So all I have to do is click on that, start scrolling or whatever. And I can yeah. just see all these quotes and all these people that are changing their lives and it just inspires you. So they're my yeah. three. Oh, that's brilliant. Really, I think good. it was maybe five. Yeah, no, they're really good. No, really, really good. I really like that. I haven't heard that before. Change places, people and things. That's really good, really. I think it was a CA thing, maybe. Uh, it might have been CA, but I've done so many different things that I've picked yeah. up little little it's snippets pieces. along the way. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, Hayley, it's been so lovely talking to you. Oh, I've loved um, it. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you did. I have to say... I really, really appreciate and admire your honesty. You just, you just say it as it is. And yeah. I know, but, I, but, I, re- but I really admire that because I just think, I just think, you know, this is your life, this is your story and you're just really honest about it. And you've done that for me, for my show. I know obviously you get a little, you get opportunity to, to talk about it as well, which is nice for you. Yeah. But I just think, when you know when I listen to these sorts of stories I, I feel so grateful to have people like you on my show to be able to well, share grateful for you so you know <laughs> super super grateful having a bit of a love fest here aren't we <laughs> but no thank you so much and um I'm excited for the next five months I mean I think you're just going to keep going and going and going you know in this lovely yeah. upward trend so you know I said it before I say it again I really mean it you should feel really proud of yourself you've done amazing thank you I am Thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on instagram by sending a message to at sassy sober mum you can also find helpful tools and resources on my website sassysobermum.com if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love please like share and rate the podcast I really look forward to next time. See you then.